Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. A new book that people are talking about by um, a wonderful writer. You know Ken Oletta. He's been doing his um, communications column, profiles for The New Yorker for many years. This is Ken's 13th book, Hollywood Ending. Harvey Weinstein and the Culture of Science. And as I said to Ken right before we started, you know, he's one of the most disgusting, despicable characters you have ever heard about, read about, know about. But I couldn't stop reading the book and saying to myself, plenty of people have horrible childhoods, crazy parents, and they survive it. What happened here where this man became, as he was called, a monster? He has a brother who wasn't such a Boy Scout either, but got over it and sort of has been redeemed. Anyway, Ken, you have been dealing with Harvey for many years for better or for worse. True. And fortunately, I don't have to deal with them anymore, Joe. No, this book put it to bed. Was it with a big sigh of relief? Well, actually, I I was fascinated. I had written about, profiled him in The New Yorker in 2002 and and portrayed him as as an abusive, volatile personality, uh, but also a talented uh, movie executive, and but I came within inches of nailing him for, on being a, a sexual predator, but I couldn't get the woman to talk to me. Um, but when he was exposed by the brilliant reporting of two New York Times reporters, Ronald Farrakhan, right, in October of 2017, I said, "But there's still mysteries to this guy. How did he become a monster? What happened in the relationship between he, he and his brother, his closest?" associate, where his brother in the end fired him. What, 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 how do you use and abuse power? Uh, what, what, who were the people who allowed him to keep this secret for more than four decades? Those were some of the mysteries I was interested in exploring in a full biography of Harvey Weinstein. Well, and that's what the reader, me, kept asking. How could this have been hidden and covered up? For decades, what happened here? Everyone knew. You know, ironically, Ken, one of my kids' best friends from high school, John Gordon, got a job when he was a kid as an intern for him. And we were like, oh, what a lucky break, you know, for this kid who wants to be in the movie business. So it was fascinating. And then, of course, I read some of John's stuff in your, in your book. But it was also a journey for those of us who don't know, a journey about power and how it's exploited, and particularly in the film industry. 
Did anything surprise you going along this uh, complicated research? Well, a lot of things surprised me. I, I mean, I did learn in terms of the reason it was kept a secret. Harvey believed that the key to power was fear. People had to fear you. And he, he invested a lot of effort in making sure people feared him. And, and so people kept quiet because of that. Among the things that did surprise me, uh, learning about his mother, his mother, Miriam, was a very person, and she dominated the household when Harvey was a child. But she yelled all the time. She yelled so much, in fact, that his friends who played poker every weekend at a different home would never agree to play poker at the Weinstein home. Why? Because Miriam yelled too much. Harvey, you're too fat. Harvey, stop doing this. Harvey, that. And and very dominant person. So her role and, and, and how she normalized yelling which became a staple in in the Weinstein, in both the Miramax and then the Weinstein company after it. Harvey and Bob yelled all the time. And, and that was a reflection of what they grew up to think of as normal. I was also amazed and surprised by the fact that Harvey had no incidents that I could find of sexual abuse in junior high school or high school, or even the first three years of college at the University of Buffalo. He only began to abuse women when he had power. And, and he had power first in, as a rock promoter in Buffalo before he entered the movie business. And, and then it escalated when he had more power in the movie business. But he did not abuse women until he had power. And, and power became a kind of an aphrodisiac for him. Right. And, and as you point out, too, it wasn't just about the sex. It was about the power and what Not he quite. held over these people. And... When you're reading the book, I'm saying to myself, well, what happened to all these people, these actors, these actresses? I mean, he abused men, too, in a different way. But what happened to them? Was it all about getting work and afraid, like Gwyneth Paltrow says he was making the movies then? So clearly, if you're an ambitious actor or actress... You wanted to be in a Harvey movie. Miramax was doing these great movies. My Left Foot, Crying Game, Sex Lives and Videotape, Shakespeare in Love. And if you had aspirations to maybe one day win an Academy Award, the place you wanted to be was not at a big studio, which is making it Batman and all these sequel movies, but a Miramax movie where, where you had a, real, a better shot at being an Academy Award winner. So they gravitated and they wanted to seek his favor. But what happened was that many these actresses who wanted to seek his favor. He wanted something in return, sex. Hmm. And the, the, the other, the amazing story, which could be another book alone, is the story of Harvey and his brother, who oh, also God. played a major role in all of this. But you question, how did the brother escape this? Why did the brother not turn out like Harvey? They have the same background. I think the brother is a better human being than, than Harvey was. He's very talented, by the way, in many ways. He made, many years he made more money. His Dimension movies right. under the Merrimack label made more money than Merrimack's movies, Harvey's movies did. But Bob became an alcoholic. And, and then he saw treatment for alcohol, joined out Alcoholics Anonymous, saw treatment for it. And became a very reflective person. 
looking inside himself, trying to figure out how to make himself a better person, how to avoid the pitfalls that he saw his brother uh, falling into. And, and Bob, you know, just became a better person and obviously never partook in the kind of sexual assaults that Harvey did. Uh, very close to his brother, uh, and they came apart. And, and partly because his brother had become a narcissist, partly because Bob thought his brother was out of control with his spending and, and endangering the company. And in the end, uh, at one point in, in 2015, Harvey sucker punched Bob, broken, breaking his nose. They made peace, but it was a very cold peace. Finally, when Harvey was exposed in October 2017, um, what Bob did, Bob, Bob's vote was critical to fire Harvey from the Weinstein Company. Right, and I wonder about the guilt that he must have felt or even that he still feels when he sees the fate of uh, this brother. I don't think Bob feels guilt. Bob feels that justice was done, that his, his brother was a bad person and he was found guilty for the right reasons. Bob stopped speaking to Harvey in early 2018. They haven't spoken since. And so he, he basically is divorced from his brother and feels that his brother uh, was, not, was not a good human being and, and deserves the punishment he's receiving. Did you end up feeling sorry at all for Harvey at this stage in his life? Sort of, does anyone no. come to visit this guy? Well, he had his three daughters from his first marriage don't speak to him. His brother doesn't speak to him. His first wife doesn't speak to him. Hmm. His two little kids from his second wife are in New York. He's been waiting a trial in Los Angeles, so they don't. His wife has a his second wife has a chilly distance from his former friends. Most of them have peeled away. So Harvey is alone in a wheelchair in a prison in L.A. awaiting trial. Do I feel sorry for him? I don't feel sorry for him. I think he's gotten a just sentence uh, that he deserved. Do I think about him as a human being, what it must feel like to be in prison after flying on private planes and making movies and standing on the Academy Awards stage so many years? Of course. How could you not think about it? So, mm -hmm. so you think about the I, but I think more about the tragedy of it than the sadness of it. I, I, I don't feel empathy for him, though I, I, I do wonder, my God, what goes through his mind as he sits eating baked beans in prison. Right. And and how can he possibly, with all the problems that he has medically, too, get through or even want to get through what a nightmare all of this is? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you you wouldn't be a human being if you didn't think about that uh, to him. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not filled with rage, so much rage that I can't, look past it and say, oh, my God, what a, what a life. What a fall. Right, what a fall. And did any of the victims who never came forth until everyone came forth, are they, how do they feel that they sat on this, that they just let it? It was well, a horrible it, experience. But they were afraid. I mean, one of the things, one of the big obstacles for the prosecution in the Harvey case criminal trial in New York, was how do you explain why women who, who Harvey allegedly raped still kept in touch with him afterwards? Right. And, and the defense defense would argue 
because these women were ambitious. They wanted some. But one of the defense, one of the prosecution witnesses that the prosecution called to the stand was Dr. Barbara Ziv of Temple University. And she's an expert on rape. And one of the things she said, which really stayed with me and I think stayed with the jury, she said that 40% of the women in America who are raped continue to keep in touch with the person who raped them. And they do for reasons, sometimes because they're afraid, sometimes because of the denial that it ever happened to them, sometimes because they blame themselves for it happening. For various reasons, they keep in touch with that, that person. And the jury bought that argument. So many of these women who were his victims, as I report in the book, have, have it's taken a huge toll on their life. Some of them became alcoholics or turned to drugs. Uh, they've had a, many of them have had to struggle after the horrors that they went through with Harvey. So it's 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 you know you, you have, your heart bleeds. Right, and at the at the soul of this era, the casting couch was part of our vocabulary, but now we're at a different time, and. Is power still exploited, do you think, in the film industry and the entertainment world? Oh, of course it is. I mean, you you can't be in a... One of the things that's peculiar about Hollywood and the entertainment world is that beautiful young women work side by side or in close proximity to heads of studios, producers, directors, people in, in power. And... And if you're in power, you tend to have a large ego. And when one of these attractive young women say to you, oh, Mr. Weinstein, I love your movies. Oh, that was a great speech you made today. It's, it's not uncommon for people like Harvey Weinstein or people in power to compliment with a come on. And, and so the casting couch, ambitious young woman wanting a role in Hollywood, people with power, Thing, thinking they can make a trade. I want something from you, you want something from me. But there's a difference between the casting couch, which was Harvey's defense house, and rape. Harvey was raping women. That's a criminal, that's a crime. And, and, and that's way beyond the couch that, that has existed for many right. decades in, in Hollywood. So when all is said and done, did you answer that question of what contributed to his criminal behavior? You know, I kept thinking about his screaming, yelling parents, but there are people who grow up like that and, right. and don't Bob, become Bob monsters. Bob didn't become a sexual predator. Right. Um, I, I mean, I came to the conclusion that there is no one rosebud that, ex- that simply explains why Harvey became the monster. There are various things. I mean, obviously, the yelling and, and the, the thirst for dominance is part of it. Power, how it went to his head, is part of it. But I, I basically concluded, and I write this in the book, that Harvey's a sociopath. And, and, and he, he basically is an out-of-control person who, who thought it was normal to abuse people, including women. Hi. Do you think if you talk to him today, you would get anything different out of him? No, you know, I, we had email exchanges from prison, which are in the book. But one of the questions I asked him, which I was dying to ask him, relevant to your question you're asking me now, and a question he did not answer, but I wrote 
in an email, which is PR person passed on to him. I said, Harvey, after you rape, let's say, Jessica Mann, who was one of the women who testified against him in the trial, after you rape Jessica Mann and you put your head on the pillow at night, how did you explain to yourself what you had just done? Harvey didn't answer that question. But I think if he had, since he doesn't think he's a villain, he thinks he's a victim, he would right. say, hey, it was casting couch. She wanted something from me, a job in Hollywood. I wanted something from her. It was consensual. She, it was a fair trade we made. And I, I suspect that's what his honest answer would be if he answered that question. Yeah, well, which is fascinating. And I love when he, you quote him. And I'm misquoting now because I don't have the book in front of me. But when he was talking about all these women were talking and telling all these terrible stories. And he said, we had so much fun. We had such a good time. And he believed it. Yeah. And they looked at this was on this was just before he was sentenced. He asked to speak to the to the courtroom and the jury and the judge. And and he looked at the woman who six of them were seated in the front row, and he said, "We had such good times. I mean, I I feel for you." And a minute after he said that, he switched and and again portrayed himself as a victim of of a kind of a new McCarthyism that was taking place and treating men as if they were all sex fiends and and canceling them out and how terrible it was. So again, he portrayed himself as he did throughout the trial as victim responsibility for what he had done. Right, as a victim. And like anyone who's reading the book, I'm trying to find some link that would cause this to happen in people. And I couldn't really find it. He was a bad guy with bad DNA somewhere along the way. I think that's right. I, I mean, I resisted the urge to, to succumb to what I call psychobabble which is acting like a miniature psychiatrist and, and pretending to know what caused Harvey to become the monster. The he monster. Did right, and have no sense of doing wrong. But the definition of a sociopath, the doctor's definition, and, and in the book I've heard doctors, professional doctors, about this, there are three qualifications to become listed as a, psych, as a sociopath. One is, is you're a narcissist. Harvey certainly was a narcissist. Two is that you have no empathy. Witness how we treated the woman in the, in the trial and otherwise. Harvey had no empathy. And the third is lack of guilt. They say Harvey had no guilt. He thinks he's a victim. Now, you could be, you could have all three of those qualities and not be a sociopath, obviously. But I, I believe Harvey, based on the n- number of times, over 100 women have come forward since he was exposed in October 2017, over 100 women have come forward to claim that Harvey sexually abused them. That's a sociopath. That's a sociopath. And you wonder if the power players who are still engaging in this behavior read this book and go, uh-oh, I got to get off this train. Or There's you no think question. it just goes on. Well, I, I think it's probably abated some. I mean, men of, uh, who have power who might be prone to abuse women because they think with their penis, not with their head. Um, they, they, they don't want to happen to them what happened to Harvey and to 
Matt Lauer and and Les Moonves All those and guys, Luke, right? Those on, on. But uh, the the question I have in my mind is: this a short term improvement, or is it a long term improvement? And we don't know the answer to that yet. No, but the book should definitely add a punch to what people are thinking. Thank you, Ken. It was a fascinating you, read. Hollywood Ending, Harvey Weinstein and the Culture of Science by Ken Oletta.